On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. Those people who are bullying you or being mean to you, just know that you have something special in yourself. And instead of them complimenting you on it, they want to tear you down with it. But don't let them because there will be better days ahead. And those same people who are being mean to you now one day may be reaching out to you in the future for help. So just stay humble. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey, lady. It's Terry here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. I'm hosting a free podcasting masterclass where I'm going to teach you how to create your impactful podcast and how you can generate multiple streams of income. You can visit podcastwithterry.com to register for free. I hope to see you there. All right, lady. Today we have a very special guest in Cultivating Her Space. Let's just tell you a bit about this amazing guest that we have today, okay? Tinsley Taylor is from Lewisburg, North Carolina. She graduated from North Carolina State University in 2009 with a Bachelor of Arts in Communication with a concentration in Media and a minor in Psychology. And she graduated from the University of Southern California in 2014 with a Master of Education in Post-Secondary Administration and Student Affairs. Currently, Tinsey is a consultant for Lynn Dower Global, a global search and talent firm that places people across various sectors, such as higher education, independent schools, hospitals and academic medical centers, research facilities and foundations, social justice, and other mission-driven nonprofits. Now, there is so much more that we could say about Tinsey, but we're just going to let her tell you about herself in this conversation. So let's jump on in. Tensi, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. Hi, Terry. Hi, Dr. Dom. How are you beautiful ladies doing? We are so much better now that we're talking to you, girl. <laughs> yes, and we are so excited for this conversation. So we are going to jump right in with our quote of the day. Now, Tensi, we know that you've written a book, that you are on social media and you've done a number of interviews. So we were like scouring all the things to and picking up on lots of gems. But this particular quote of the day is one from your Instagram. And it says, let your intentions be known to others because you might get the opportunity that you are seeking. And I'm going to read that again for the folks in the back. Let your intentions be known to others because you might get the opportunity that you are seeking. 
Tensi, when you hear your words, what what's the context with that quote? Yes, thank you for that, Dr. Dom. The context for that quote is recently I just returned from Scotland, United Kingdom, where I went for work. I was asked by my job if I wanted to attend this conference in Europe called Case Europe Conference. And not only that, but the CEO of the conference, excuse me, the CEO of Lindauer, Deb Taft, asked me if I wanted to co-present with her on this international stage. And so I said yes. And how that happened is when I first started at Lindauer, I told Deb that I loved public speaking and that I loved traveling internationally. I've been to 32 countries and six continents. And she took that to heart and she remembered that. And she said, Tensi, if you want to go to England, uh, Scotland, you can. And I would love for you to present on this international stage with me. So that's why I put that quote to let your intentions be known. Had I never have told Deb that I like to travel, that I like to speak, this opportunity might not have come about. So I'm always telling people, if you want to do something, let others know because you just might get it. Lady, I'm a firm believer in addressing all aspects of our health and recognizing the connections between our other health components and our mental health. Today, I want to talk to you about sexual health. When it comes to optimizing our sexual experiences, lube is the key to maximizing pleasure, whether we're alone or with a partner. So when you lubricate, you want to make sure it's done with the highest quality body safe ingredients. And trust me, Nothing beats Uberlube. Uberlube is a luxurious, high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, body-friendly ingredients. The simple ingredient list makes it easy to use by people with sensitivities to other lubricants. It's just silicone with a little vitamin E. The vitamin E leaves a velvety finish that actually moisturizes the skin. So, lady, if you want to add this to your bedroom arsenal, Right now, Uberlube is offering Cultivating Her Space podcast listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use the code HERSPACE at uberlube.com. That's 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code H-E-R-S-P-A-C-E at U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E dot com. That is so powerful, Tensi. And we're going to ask you some formal questions about your background, but I would love to know, how do you go about sharing that with someone? Because I know for me, sometimes I don't want to be, I don't want to appear to be like thirsty or give someone the wrong impression. Like, oh, she just wants to connect with me for this reason, or she's just sharing this because of that. So how, like, what is the best way to go about doing it? And maybe you can give us like a role play exercise on like how you would even share that with someone in a natural way where it's authentic, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So first of all, you want to make sure you come across as genuine because people can tell when you are only being nice to them because you want something. And so I try to come across as being very genuine, getting to know the individual. But with the example that I shared earlier, I was starting a new job. So it's a different type of context. I had a meeting with the CEO. She asked me, she welcomed me to the company and said, if there's anything or any initiatives you wish to be a part of, let me know. So that was my window to tell her what my skill sets were and what I enjoy doing. But if you don't have not just started a job and you want to reach out and do something, form those relationships, email somebody and say, hey, I see what you're doing. I'm interested in the same opportunity. May we have a virtual cup of coffee? 
in the Zoom world today, you don't have to physically meet somebody in person anymore. You can have a 30 minute virtual coffee conversation and what I like to call an informational interview where somebody gets knowledge talking to the person. How did you get to this career? What challenges do you have in your career? What opportunities are there? How can somebody like myself get to your role one day? And as you build that relationship and as you build the rapport, the other person will see that you are genuinely interested in getting to know them and not necessarily what he or she can do for you. So then the time can come for you to ask, hey, is there an internship opportunity? I'm looking for a new job. Do you have any openings? I want to travel the country. Are there ever any speaking engagements that would allow me to do this? That way you've built a rapport. You've built a relationship. Because one thing that a person doesn't want to feel like is that they are used tire. That you only go to it when, when your tire is flat on your car. You don't even think about the used tire when everything is going well. As soon as that flat comes about, you're like, yes, I got a spare tire. You don't want people to think of it like that. You want that person to know that you are genuinely interested in what they have to do and then let the relationship build from there. Amazing. Thank you for that pro tip. Already dropping gems. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, Tensi, before we get more pro tips from you, let's back up a little bit. Can you tell us your origin story? How did you go from a career in higher education to gracing more than 300 red carpets. Y'all must say that one more time. She has been on over 300 red carpets. So how did, how did you get there? How did you make that career switch? Yes. So when I left North Carolina in 2012, I told my friends and family that I was going to make it work. Now, let me rewind several years earlier about how California got on my radar. So my brother was a graduate student at Stanford University at the time, pursuing his master's in mechanical engineering. And he and I are 10 years apart. So when I was 14, he was 24. And I took my first trip to visit him in Palo Alto, California. But we also took a trip to Los Angeles. And as soon as I touched down in Los Angeles, the weather, the culture, the diversity, the glitz and glam, I said, I am determined to get to the City of Angels one day. Fast forward 11 years later, I made that happen. I had no family because my brother had moved back to North Carolina when I moved over here. But when I came to Los Angeles, I tell people I had no family, no friends, just my faith. And I knew that I could make it work. And I came out here to pursue my master's degree at the University of Southern California. But in addition to that, I wanted to immerse myself in any positive opportunities that came my way. So I started to get in, into Hollywood. I was a seat filler at awards shows. I went to this event. And that's where I met this lady. And I have to give her credit, Joy Paris. She saw me and she said, Tensi, I like your personality. You seem to be very pleasure, very nice to people. Have you ever considered red carpet hosting? And I said, no, but I have my degree in communications and she gave me her business card. And so another pro tip is follow up. If somebody gives you your, their, your business card and you want to learn more about them or shadow them in some capacity, follow up. So I followed up with her. She took me on a trial run where she sent me to Santa Monica to this restaurant that had just opened. And I got to interview people on the street. She liked my interviewing techniques, took several of her classes, and then I started to grace red carpets in Hollywood. I've been to the Emmys, the Grammys, the Oscars, People's Choice Awards, NAACP Image Awards. I've interviewed everybody from Magic Johnson to Alan Thicke to the Incredible Hulk 
to Oprah. I had the pleasure of meeting Denzel. So just people that I've met on the red carpet and had the pleasure of interviewing. That's how I got started. In addition to that, I also would volunteer at Hollywood events. They needed somebody to stuff those gift bags. They needed somebody to help literally roll out the red carpet and put up the step and repeat. And I was not too bougie to do that. I wanted to get my foot in the door and I wanted to volunteer my time. And now it works because the same people that asked me to volunteer for these events, now I get invitations as a guest for these events. So I tell people all the time, put in your work. Nothing's going to be handed to you. And especially today, I feel like people feel entitled in some way. Like they think that something is owed to them and they haven't even put in the work. Put in the work. Volunteer. Give your time. Nobody has to do or give you anything. And if they do give you that opportunity, show up. I was dressed professionally. I showed up early. I worked hard. I stayed late. And I wrote a thank you note. I was appreciative. And so those tips, I feel, are what have contributed to some of my successes today. You better go ahead, Tennessee. I love it. That is so important. And honestly, the thing about it, what I'm noticing from what you're sharing, Tennessee, is a lot of this, you would think it's common sense, right? Because a lot of it, for me, it centers around being kind to people, like being a good person, right? And just being genuine. And sometimes it's, it seems as though that's like a lost art, you know? So what we want to dive into next, since we want to dive into your upbringing. So can you tell us a bit more about your upbringing and what prompted you to write your best-selling book, Bullied from Terror to Triumph, My Survival Story? Yes. So I'm from a small city called Lewisburg in North Carolina. We have a population of about 3,500 people. And I tell people you don't have to live in a big city to make big dreams come true because this small city of Lewisburg helped raise me. And now I get to hobnob with some of the biggest celebrities in Hollywood. Um, My mom and dad and dad, may God rest his soul, were so instrumental in my upbringing. They wanted us to be well-rounded children. So not only were we academically inclined, we got straight A's, but we also were athletically inclined. I ran track. I was a cheerleader. I'm musically inclined. I played piano and trumpet and I sing. So dad wanted to make sure we were very well-rounded. A mom and dad also treated, instilled in us dignity and respect. My dad always said, you treat the CEO the same way that you treat a custodial worker, that you treat a secretary, because first of all, they are human beings. And second of all, you never know what struggles or battles they're going through. So simply being kind to them is the right thing to do. And so I just had a strong work ethic. Mom and dad grew up in the segregated South. Of North Carolina, a dad had to walk to school five miles every day because he was black and couldn't ride the bus. And sometimes after it rained, the white bus driver would be so mean to deliberately hit a puddle and the puddle would splash on my dad as he walked to school. So when I would hear these stories from mom and dad about how they were treated so inhumanely simply because of the color of their skin, I made it an effort to go above and beyond anything that was asked of me. Because I'm like, if mom and dad can survive segregation, if they can survive being called the N-word, I mean, my dad had his master's degree and white people still called him boy. If they could deal with all of that, then I can go through and go to school and get my education and do well to not only honor my parents, but to honor my ancestors, the slaves who came before me who were beaten, who had their eyes burned out sometimes if the master found that they were reading. And so that's why I have such a penchant for reading, 
because they didn't want us as black people to know how to read because reading is knowledge and knowledge is power. So I encourage everybody out here that's listening to this to please read. So I just had such a strong upbringing. And my dad always would tell me, he's like, you should write a book one day. Your story is most compelling. And I laughed at him. I said, Dad, nobody's going to hear about my story. Everybody's been bullied. And sure enough, Dad was right. In April of 2015, I started to write my manuscript for my book. I say I gave birth to a book because it took me nine months to write. It was published in January. And I just recounts the story of I was being bullied for 13 years, kindergarten through 12th grade, physically, emotionally, and verbally by peers and even a teacher at school. I had students kick my trophies after awards day celebration. I had a teacher bully me in school to the point where I had to be physically removed from that class because my health was being affected. I had students try to break my arm in the gym locker room one time. I was pushed in lockers. I used to be very self-conscious about my eyes because they're big. Terry, you and I had a conversation about this. Um, they called me names such as Big Eyed Freak, Geico, Geico Direct, because they said I looked like a gecko. So I was very self-conscious. I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't think I was pretty. And it got really bad to the point at 16. I said, what's the point of me even being here when thoughts of suicide crept up in my mind? But thankfully, I'm of the faith and I didn't give in. And so I said, I'm not going to give that human being that much power over me that I want to take my life. And so that's when my trajectory just took off more. If people were mad because I won five awards that year, were you going to be even madder next year when I win 10? So that's how I motivated. That's how I, quote, got back at people by just using my drive and my fervent, unequivocal desire to make all my dreams, goals, and aspirations come true. And the interesting thing is, is that several of the kids who bullied me in school, they are some of my biggest encouragers now on, on social media. When Miss Tina posted me on her Instagram after she did my hair, text messages, DMs were like, oh my gosh, is that you on Miss Tina's Instagram? And interesting how life comes back and how situations change. So for people watching and listening to this, those people who are bullying you or being mean to you, just know that you have something special in yourself. And instead of them complimenting you on it, they want to tear you down with it. But don't let them because there will be better days ahead. And those same people who are being mean to you now one day may be reaching out to you in the future for help. So just stay humble. Wow, Tensi, that was such a powerful story that you shared. And I know that so many of our listeners can relate, right? Like they have been bullied as kids or Maybe they have children that are experiencing that or a loved one that is experiencing that. And what are ways in which people can support someone who is going through that experience? Great question, Dr. Dom. And one of the first things that someone can do is to truly listen to what the child or, or whomever is coming to you saying that he or she is being bullied. Listen to that. And as a parent or adult or teacher, don't just say, oh, get over it, develop a tougher skin, kids will be kids. No, because you don't know in that moment that that child might be coming to you at their wit's end. And to receive the feedback of kids will be kids or get over it, then they might go and do something drastic either to someone else or to themselves. So take it seriously. Teachers, if you see it happening in your classroom, call it out. Parents, if you see your child or hear of your child being bullied, take that seriously. And to those who are being bullied, find an adult 
find somebody that you can confide in. I know many times um, when the bullying got really bad for me, especially the, the physical, when the student tried to break my arm or I was being pushed in lockers, that's when I really told my parents because I was afraid. But sadly, it backfired because the bullies were mad at me. They got in trouble. Now they really were going to make my life miserable. And so mom and dad, when they read my book, they were sad because they didn't know a lot of the things that I had gone through because I didn't tell them because I didn't want to get picked on or bullied more for simply telling on the bullies. So I just encourage everybody listening to this to just take it seriously. Don't brush it off. Have conversations and have that tough love. I've read so many stories where parents will, will go to the other parent's house or the child is being bullied to have conversations and different things of that nature. It really does work. And if you have to take it up with authorities, do so. Whatever you have to do to protect your child from others, as well as protect the child from him or herself, do so. Because I'm just so many stories I continue to read of young people taking their lives because of the bullying or because of just the way society is today. So let's just listen and really take this to heart. Thank you for sharing that, Tinsley. And I would love to also know how did you work on your confidence and learning to love yourself the way that you are. I know that in personal conversations with each of you, we've all had a unique journey to gaining confidence and overcoming the insecurities that we may have had as young, you know, as youth in general. Can you talk a bit about how you developed confidence and learned to love those aspects of yourself that people made fun of? Yes. Great question, Terry. So I have a journal, affirmations. You know, I am intelligent. I am kind. I am pretty. Like, write down what it is you're good at. Write down what it is you like about yourself. And then surround yourself with positive-minded people, people who believe in you. Uh, My circle is small, but my circle is very special to me because we all encourage each other. We all applaud when we're winning. If one of us is going through challenges of life, we send encouragement their way. Um, And a lot of times, especially young people, get caught up with the wrong crowd. You know, people who aren't good for them. Maybe people are skipping school or getting involved in drugs or alcohol, things that they shouldn't. So surround yourself with those good people who want what's best for you. But you have to, it has to come inwardly. And you have to realize your strengths and what you possess. And so sometimes, even when I'm having an off day, I will write down accomplishments that I've done in my life. You know, I've traveled the world. I've met all these people. I have my master's degree. I started, you know, different things in life. And so that kind of boosts my confidence. And then when somebody tries to come for me or tries to, to belittle me, you know, I just feel bad for them because they are insecure with who they are. Because secure people don't go around deliberately trying to put others down. It's oftentimes those people who are insecure who have the most to say. As my mom says, the empty wagon makes the most noise. When you put, when you have a full wagon, it doesn't make that much noise because you're full of yourself. You know who you are. But an empty wagon is going to make the most noise. So the people who have the less sometimes have the most to say. And then another gem that my mom gave me growing up was consider the source. So when people come at me and say different things, consider the source. Do you pay my bills? No. Are you my employer? No. Have you contributed to my success? No. Okay, so why should your opinion matter? So considering that source really does help with just building your confidence and not letting people and their ignorance or belittling behavior get to you.
All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month, and it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans, and it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black stories, Black truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the rich black auntie. It was good. Now, you know, black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Shout out to mom and dad for the gems. I appreciate them. Yes. Oh, this is so good, Tensi. And Tensi, we're going to talk to you more about Oprah and developing an attitude of gratitude and best practices for networking and all that good stuff. But first, we want to shift up the energy just a little bit, Cincy. And because we recognize and appreciate and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie and classy and ratchet, and you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose, we want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment, Cincy. So do you take on the challenge? I'm nervous, but okay, sure. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. We, we appreciate right. your openness, though. Yes. Okay. We appreciate it. We'll tell you what to expect first, Tootsie. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask you three questions. We're then going to share three sentence completions. And then, Tootsie, we have three photos of you pulled up from social media. And what we're going to have you do is choose a number out of one and three and We'll show you that photo on the big screen. And then what we want you to do is describe that photo. Tell us some context about the photo that we wouldn't know just by looking at the photo. And that's it. That's easy enough, right? 
okay, it's not too I can bad. Handle that. <laughs> she can handle that. So our first question for you, Tensi, is what's the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? I have to go back to my dad when he when when I was being bullied and I would tell him about what was happening at school. He would say to me, you know, keep going. One of the expressions he used because I was called an Oreo. They said I was black on the outside, white on the inside. So I was called an Oreo. So dad just said, you know, these same people who are calling you an Oreo are going to be those same people one day asking you for help or asking you to assist them in, a, in some type of opportunity. So he said, you keep being that Oreo and you keep being great. And, you know, I laughed at him when he told me that, but he was so right. I continue to be me. And uh, several of the people who did bully me in school have reached out to me throughout the course of my life to ask for certain things. But so dad was right. So that was just one of the, the, the wisest advice that he has given me because it can just apply to anything, whether somebody's calling you an Oreo or calling you in any other type of name. You don't have to answer to it and you can still uh, walk in your greatness. And so that's something that I always choose to do to take the high road as our forever first lady, Michelle Obama said, when they go high, when, excuse me, when, we, when they go low, we go high. Yes, I always take the high approach. Well, your, your parents have dropped some amazing gems. So our next question is a different type of energy. I have four words for you, Tennessee. Okay. Twerk or two-step? Two-step. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with a two-step. We appreciate the two-step, Tennessee. Yes. And Tennessee, this next question is a little spicy. It's a little spicy, so I'm going to... Spam myself a little bit. The next question is, what's the sexiest item you own? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten some answers for this question, Tensi. So you are in good company. <laughs> you know, another, you asked me first, quote some wise advice. One of my, my mom always said, a, a lady never tells certain details. So I guess I will just say I do have lingerie and I'll keep it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Very respectful. We appreciate it. Yes. Go ahead, Mama, with the gems. Yes, yes. <laughs> Have a little mystery. Leave a little mystery there. Keep them wondering. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to move to our sentence completions. One question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is... How do I get to travel the world so frequently? Well, wouldn't you know... Go ahead, T. You, you, go ahead. Wow. So our next sentence completion is, I get to travel the world so frequently because... <laughs> I get to travel the world so frequently because I'm a planner. So people who know me, I'm very meticulous. I'm very organized. And you ask me where I want to be 10 years from now, I can give you an answer. So when I travel the country, I just don't travel to one country. I will travel to two, three, four at a time. So, for example, in 2018, my mom and I went to Australia, New Zealand, and Tahiti for two weeks. Before the pandemic hit, I had a cruise planned to Italy, Croatia, Montenegro, and Greece. Two-week cruise. So, if you travel internationally on a cruise, or if you get you a travel agent to book you various countries that are within close proximity, that's how you can travel to so many countries more at a time and also more economically. Hey, that was some serious game right there. So, all right. Our final sentence completion. What I love most about myself is... What I love most about myself is my personality. 
I have had many people tell me that they are having a bad day and seeing me and talking to them just uplifts their spirit. And so I love spreading love. I love spreading light. I love encouraging others to believe in themselves. I know when I worked at USC, many students came to my office and they gave me lists of reasons why they couldn't do something. And I said, well, all you need is one reason as to why you can. And I'm going to sit here with you until you find one reason as to why you can do so. And so I'm just so proud of those students, having those prep talks with them. I was working out one morning watching Good Morning America and I see one of my students, Haran, talking about Beyonce's new album that she interviewed for Billboard magazine. I'm like, wait a minute, go ahead, Haran. I've had another student who's an alum. She directed a Lifetime movie. So these are students who came to my office. I remember when they were students and had doubts and now they're over here on Good Morning America interviewing, talking about Beyonce's album, being a director for Lifetime film. I just have other stories of success stories of, of how I interacted with students. So just believing in them and just realizing their potential that they have is great. So I would say my personality is what I love about me. That is amazing. And we would agree with you as well, Tensi, because you are a whole vibe. And speaking of vibes, Tensi, we have some photos of you pulled up. These are some fly ass photos, Tensi. Okay, so get ready for this. So before we show you anything, we want you to choose a number out of one and three, and then we will reveal the one photo, Tensi. So what is your number? Number three. Yes. I was hoping you would say that. This photo is so hot, you all. Okay, now, Tensi, really quick. You have to describe the photo for those that are only tuning into the audio. And then if you can give us some context behind the photo that we wouldn't know by looking at the photo. Now, get ready for this, okay, y'all? Because this is super cute. All right, Tensi, here we go. (laughs) Hey! Okay! So this photo, for those who can't see or only listening to the audio, I am in a house on a step. I have my right leg on top of the step, left leg is on the floor. I have a a cute kind of burgundy dress. It was Valentine's weekend. My hair is popping. Miss Tina had just done it, put those beautiful highlights in it. And so me and one of my girlfriends, we were actually headed to a concert, a Valentine's Day concert jam. And it was like Casey and JoJo and all these people from the 90s who were performing. So we were just trying to look cute. And so I always like to make sure I'm dolled up looking my best because my mom always says, be also ready. And so, yeah, I just put on my dress and my heels and my jewelry and my hair and uh, stepped out. And that is one of my favorite outfits. And, you know, I one of the things I like to keep it classy, always keep it classy. I might show a little stomach here, a little something there. But for the most part, I like to keep it classy. So that's me rocking one of my outfits to a Valentine's Day concert. We appreciate you participating in OU Malachit. And Tensi, we're going to jump right back into the the formal interview. So our next question for you is, well, we want to talk about the wide network that you have, right? You are well connected. And so we would love to know what are the best practices that you have when it comes to networking and what can our, our listeners do today to build their network? Great question. As I talked about earlier in the interview about how I got into Hollywood, follow up. I don't know how many times will I have given somebody my business card and I say, email me, call me, would love to have a conversation with you virtually or in person. And I hear nothing. So I'm like, oh, they weren't serious about it. So a tip is, is that when somebody's serious about it, they will follow up instantly. When I get people's business cards, I followed up within probably 24 hours. 
because I want to make sure they remember me and I want to make sure I remember them and where I met them. I know we're in a technology age, so you can do this on your phone. But when people would collect business cards, when I would get somebody's business card, when I left their presence, I would write on the back of it, you know, met at the NAACP Image Awards. She wrote a book. So that way I will remember and know who she is. Another thing is not just to follow up with that person and have the virtual Zoom or in-person conversation, but to stay in constant contact. So oftentimes I'm asked, well, how do you do that? Holidays are a great example. Thanksgiving is around the corner. Hey, thinking of you, wishing you a lovely Thanksgiving. How are you and the family doing? Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, Mother's Day if they're a mother, Father's Day if they're a father. Just doing those simple check-ins. You know, we follow people on social media. So if you see that they've done an accomplishment, send them an email. Hey, I saw that you got your paper published. Congratulations. Oh, I saw that you recently got a promotion. I wish you well in that new endeavor. That way you can stay in constant contact. So when I stay in contact with people, when I do reach out to them to ask for a favor or to ask them for something, nine times out of 10, they're more than likely to say yes or help me. Because I've stayed in contact with them. I, it hasn't been two years since I reached out. Now I'm reaching out to them. And I say two years because I actually had somebody <laughs> send me an email two years later asking if I would write a letter of recommendation for them. I had to scroll down to remember who it was. And then it was dated like August 2017. And they had replied August of 2019. <laughs> oh, so you remember to go back and find my email address, but you didn't think to keep in touch those two years. So I politely said, you know, I don't feel comfortable writing this letter of recommendation for you because a lot has happened in two years and I want to make sure I can sing your praise and I just don't know what you have going on. And then I also want to always have a learning opportunity for people. And so I said, you know, P.S., next time in the future, just check in with me. A simple hello. How are you doing? I don't wait till two years to ask if you need something. So that's another way that you can network. If you're at a setting, a business setting or any type of group setting and you see somebody that you really want to network with, go up to them. Wait for the appropriate moment. Just don't barge up to them. If they're talking to other people, wait for a pause. Go up, excuse yourself, introduce yourself and then start the conversation. I have talked to several people who are so nervous to talk to specific individuals. And I say, put it into perspective. You are in the same room as they are. You belong. So you go up to that person, you politely introduce yourself and you make the conversation happen. And based on how the vibe is going, you'll know if they want to keep talking or if they're ready to go. If they're ready to go, say thank you for your time. It was a pleasure meeting you. Let them be. If they're continuing the conversation and you feel a good vibe, say, hey, may I have your business card? I would love to stay connected to you. So and then I network with everybody. Hollywood, education, medical profession, the arts, like I network with everybody. Even when I worked at USC, I network with the custodial staff. I learned that one of the custodial staff members lived in Guatemala. I traveled to Guatemala. So we had a full on conversation about that. So that's why it goes to what my dad told me earlier about treating everybody with dignity and respect, because oftentimes people only want to get to those people at the top, not knowing that if you are good, with the executive assistant, then that executive assistant is going to find time on the president's calendar for you. But if you're rude to the executive assistant, sorry, the president's always going to be busy. So those are just key things that I've learned and just treat everybody nicely. I'm in this world. Everybody's not going to like you and you're not going to like everybody. And that's perfectly okay. 
but you don't have to deliberately go out of your way to make their life miserable. And so that's where you can truly tell when somebody is miserable with who they are, when they deliberately want to bring misery to others. So be kind, or if you don't like them, stay out of their way, but just network with everybody. I encourage people to just speak to somebody that they've never spoken to. I just came back from a baby shower with one of my good girlfriends, and I connected with 10 new people at the baby shower. We followed each other on social media. I found out what they do. Like, I just had conversation with everybody. I just like to get to know people. And so one of the persons is like, oh, my gosh, you wrote a book? He's like, I'm going to have to support. So just by saying hello, telling him what I did, he shared with me what he did. Now I have a supporter of my book. Now I have another contact. So again, make sure it's genuine. Make sure it's authentic. Just don't peruse somebody and say, oh my gosh, they know such and such. I'm going to try to get to them so I can get to them. No, people can sense that. Be genuine. That was so much game. And I hope that people who are listening, lady, as you are listening, I hope that you pause and rewind and rewind some more. Because that was so, there were so many gems tucked into that. And so part of that, what I'm taking away from what you're saying in in networking is is about having confidence, right? There's also points in life when things are not going well. And so why is it important to have an attitude of gratitude and how can we adopt this mindset on a daily basis, particularly in times when it's hard to be find something to be grateful for? All right, lady, it's about that time. Dom and I want to share a few sponsors with you that we believe you'd enjoy. So stay tuned, get those promo codes, and we'll hop right back into this informative conversation. Lady, as you know, this month is Women's History Month. And it's a great opportunity to highlight the stories of Black women specifically. Black representation holds significant importance in conveying possibilities to everyone, not just those of us in the Black community. I can recall growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and the Black newscasters in my hometown of New Orleans. And it showed me the importance of sharing my own stories and using my own voice. Well, the next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's latest collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Tracy Ellis Ross to Beyonce's Renaissance, Michelle Obama to the women behind the Montgomery bus boycott, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. What I love most about Black Stories, Black Truths is the fact that the stories are from us and they cover topics we want to hear. I recently listened to an episode called Tracy Ellis Ross is an Icon and Our Favorite Rich Auntie. And it was just such a breath of fresh air to hear her perspective on her new projects, what she loves most about podcasts, and how she feels about being called the Rich Black Auntie. It was good. 
Now, you know, Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be told about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, that's a great question, Dr. Dom. And it's all about perspective. I talk to many people. I've traveled the world internationally speaking. And one of the things I encourage people to do is to change their perspective. If you say, I can't do this, I'll never get a job. I will never save enough money to buy a house. You're right. You won't because you're already talking about defeat. But if you say, well, I don't have the funds right now, but I'm going to set aside this amount each month until I do have enough to buy my house. I'm not where I want to be in my career right now. That's okay. I'm going to keep keep working hard, taking those extra lessons so that I can get that promotion. Change your mindset. And then two, life is hard. Life is challenging. I have been very blessed to have some wonderful opportunities in life, but then life hits you hard. Last year, my dad passed away. And, you know, dad just taught me so much in life. I was with daddy's girl. And so that affected me deeply. I remember after we buried him, I just really wanted to take a blanket and go lay next to his grave and just be next to him. Like that's how badly I was missing him. And, you know, but I couldn't give up because dad had taught me so much. And what better way to honor the dead than to live, to live out that legacy that dad instilled in me, all of that hard work, all of the things he saved that he did to provide for his wife and his children. The least I can do is honor his legacy by being excellent in everything that I do. So when you have this attitude of gratitude, whether you face death, whether you face eviction, whether you face losing your job, it's sad, it's unfortunate, and do what you have to do to cope with it, but pick yourself back up, find your circle, Find your encouragers who will be there for you. And then if a hundred things go wrong with you in a day, you are alive. You woke up this morning. You are alive. And so I look at it from that perspective. I have had many bad days, but just because I'm having a bad day doesn't mean I have to go and make somebody else's day bad. And one thing that I've learned is that when I am having a bad day, but when I go out into the world, hi, good morning. How are you? Oh, what a cute dog you have. I'm instantly starting to feel better again, as opposed to having a bad day and then bringing misery and badness to those around me. So having that attitude of gratitude is being grateful for everything, the breath that you take, the legs that you have to walk with, the mouth that you have to speak. If you just make a list of everything that you have, then you would be grateful. I have a roof over my head. I have money to afford groceries. And I use that to then go out and bless others. I will randomly pay for somebody's drink at Starbucks. I will randomly give a compliment to somebody. I went somewhere earlier today and complimented the lady on her doll. She's like, oh, my gosh, thank you. She's like, I love your dress. So, I mean, there we go, an equal exchange. But it's all about how you wish to see the world. I don't deal with pessimistic, negative people. You know, you can vent. We all have our bad days. But if every time I see you, there's something wrong, sorry. <laughs> You can't be a part of my circle because everything can't be wrong all the time. 
Maybe you need to reevaluate certain things. So that's how I choose to have that attitude of gratitude, looking at different perspectives and just spreading positivity wherever I go. That is so beautiful, Tensi. And it reminds me of something that one of my friends used to say in college, where there's life, there's hope, right? So it's like, even though it may be tough, if we're alive, there could be something out there for us to be grateful for. So thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate you. And Tensi, I, I feel like it's about time for us to jump into the story. Can you tell us about the story about your student in Oprah? Because you shared it with me offline. And I thought it was such a powerful story that many of us can take lessons from, right? So please just... Tell us the story. Terry, <laughs> yes, I could write a whole nother book of experiences that I've had. But I had a student who came into my office one year when I worked at USC and she had found my Instagram and saw all the celebrities that I met, but she saw that I had met Oprah. And so she really wanted to get connected to Oprah. And so she comes to my office and she says, Tensie, I want to get connected to Oprah. Can you give me her number? And I look at her like, Am I being pumped right now? Like, did you really just come up here in my office? Don't even really know me. Found me on Instagram. And you want me to give you Oprah's number. So I like to indulge people. I said, okay, all right. Well, what makes you think that you deserve Oprah's number? She said, well, I want to have my own talk show one day. I'm like, okay. She's like, I want to, I mean, I'm a, I'm a student in the communication school here. Okay. Uh, Oprah is somebody that I look up to. Okay, nothing that I hear has yet given me reason to give you her number. So as I said earlier, I like to educate people. So I said, you know, if you had come in here and approached me and said, I'm a student in the communication program here and I looked you up on social media and I saw that you met all these celebrities, particularly Oprah, and I would love to know, how did you get involved with that? What did you have to do to get there? What was it like meeting her? I said, you've never stepped in this office before. You didn't even offer to volunteer. You haven't attended an event. I said, I've started partnerships with my contacts in Hollywood where USC students will either help volunteer at a Hollywood event or some of the USC students were serving as mentors in Miss Tina's, uh, Beyonce's mom mentorship program. So I said, there were several avenues that you could have taken to eventually get to ask, you know, how can I try to get connected to Oprah? But coming in here and saying you looked up the picture and now you want her number, that's very entitled. And so I would I would strongly encourage you not to do that again. So it, I hope she, she listened to my advice because it took me a long time to get the connections that I have. People oftentimes comment, oh, you're so lucky. No, it's not luck. You don't see those late nights. You don't see the rejection. You don't see the tears. You don't see the nose. Of course, social media, you're always going to post what's best. Nobody really posts negative things on social media. So you don't see all the hard work that it took for me to get there. And then, two, because of my network is so powerful, I'm very protective of that network. I'm just not going to be out here giving people's numbers and things of that nature. That's rude and disrespectful. So, again, if you really want to get to know somebody, make a genuine, authentic connection. Grow a relationship, grow the rapport. I mean, then maybe they will get it for you. I have another story for you. How I got connected to Miss Tina is I was at an event. They had a play at their studio and I went up to her and I said, Miss Tina, congratulations to you and Mr. Richard on your opening your, your studio and all the great work that you're doing for young kids in the community. I said, I work at USC. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. She's like, oh my gosh, I'm looking for college students, particularly black college students, 
to serve as mentors in my program. I said, Miss Tina, say no more. I got you. And so we exchanged information and our black USC students mentored the people in her program. Not only that, exposure is so important to me. So we had homecoming at USC. So I got football tickets for these middle school students. Many of them had never been to a college before. So they got to not only come to college at USC, but they got to participate in homecoming. And we had a partnership with athletics where they got to go on the football field and high five every football player before the game started. And then I got their name on the jumbotron in the stadium. So Miss Tina was so thankful for me for that. She posted about it on her Instagram. And then she's like, I want to do something for you. And so that's when she put the highlights in my hair. But I approached her with, what can I do for you? I didn't come to her and say, hey, here's my book. Can you buy it? Can you send it to your students? I wanted to help her. And in turn, it was genuine. I got her the help she needed. And then she wanted to do something for me. So again, people remember, it's not always about you trying to give your product to somebody else. Get to know them first. Let's form some trust. And then you might eventually get it what it is you're seeking. So powerful. Yes. Yes. I appreciate you sharing that. And so for those who are specifically wanting to get into the entertainment industry. So for black women who are like, you know, I'm listening to this and, and I heard what you said about not coming up to you and feeling entitled about getting that Auntie O's number. And I heard what you said and I'm not going to go up to Mama Tina if I see her in the street. But how can they make their way into the entertainment industry? What advice or tips do you have for them? That's a great question, Dr. Dom. So I'll, I'll put it this way. If you're a college student, this is the time to be looking at internships in the entertainment industry. There's Sony Pictures, Warner Brothers, Disney. I started a partnership when I was at USC with the Creative Artist Agency. They have a fall and summer internship program. And so USC was very instrumental in getting some of uh, our students to serve as interns in various capacities. I also am speaking on a panel and next week with UCLA about careers and entertainment. And so I tell them advice on how they can get into the entertainment industry. I participated in this panel uh, before COVID, I think four years ago. And I told the students, look, people in Hollywood are, are emailing me saying, Tensi, I need volunteers for this red carpet event. Please send me some students. If you reach out to me, I can get you started by having you volunteer at certain Hollywood events. And there were about six students at UCLA at that time who reached out to me and they were on red carpets in Hollywood. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Tensi, this is so cool because I know publicists, I know directors, people are looking for volunteers in different capacities. And a lot of my students at USC who participate in these opportunities, they have now gone on to produce their own films because of certain things. I remember I received an award from USC in 2020, Volunteer Friend of the Year Award. And one of my students uh, sent me a message saying, I volunteered at this event and that's where I met Robbie Reed, casting director extraordinaire. That's where I met John Singleton. And now she's out here producing her own films. So that one event exposed her to such an elite level of Hollywood that she was able to network and take it to the next level. So if you're in college, utilize those internships. If you're not, find out ways to reach out to people. Find somebody you know. 
say, hey, this is what I'm aspiring to do. What advice do you have for me? How can I get to uh, Disney Studios or can I get to Sony Picture Studios? But it, it starts off with volunteering. Sometimes, like I said, when I first got started, in addition to being a red carpet host, I was on the ground in a dress, stuffing gift bags. And now I'm over here walking red carpets, being interviewed by different people. Uh, I attended a Quincy Jones 85th birthday celebration that was hosted by Oprah. I've attended, you know, the, the Oscars and the Grammys. And it's just like, wow, where I started. And now I'm here in the same room with these people. And then two, if I can just be, you know, really real, ladies, please keep it classy. Don't do anything to jeopardize yourself to try to do anything to get into to the entertainment industry. Keep yourself a lady. And so, you know, the in, entertainment Hollywood is a, is a cutthroat environment and uh, it's a lot of power. And it's a lot of money. So you have to be cognizant and make sure that you are conducting yourself in a lady-like like manner because you don't want to have a bad reputation of how you got into the industry. So do it the right way. It will be harder. You have to work harder and it might take longer, but you'll have better longevity. So much wisdom and insight, Tensi. We appreciate you so much. You are a beautiful person inside and out. And again, we appreciate you, Tensi. I just want to say to the listeners, feel free to go ahead on Amazon right now and support Tensi's book, okay? Bullied from Terror to Triumph. Go ahead and order that. Order copies for your friends. Go out and support Tensi. We always want to support people that are doing great work in the world. So feel free to do that. And Tensi, we appreciate you so much for everything that you're doing and all of the gems and wisdom that you dropped. And we are looking forward to being connected and staying connected with you. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you, Dr. Dom. This was such a fun segment. Even when you added little special effects to it, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going to go down? But it was still classy, so I love it. So kudos to both of you beautiful ladies. Thank you. We appreciate you. Hey, lady. It's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note, that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HerSpace Podcast, or check out our website at HerSpacePodcast.com. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I attract abundance and prosperity with ease.